uh, invest in those campers. And as well, the third thing that we announced, uh, that we observed was that um, the evenings and the weekends were free so that our full-time missionaries, the people like Howard and Kathy, Daniel and Chelsea, were able to really invest into uh, the uh, summer missionaries. And so uh, going ahead, looking at, at future summers, I, I'm excited what kind of strength we'll have because of how in 2020 and now in 2021, the full-time missionaries were really able to pour into those summer uh, ministries. Well, here we are in the summer of 2021, and uh, praying for a mighty move of the Spirit as, as kids come to day camps, that God's going to use this opportunity uh, to draw people to Himself. And so we would ask you to join us in that as well. So as we open the Word, we're going to look at Exodus 17 this morning. But as we do, would you join me in prayer? Lord God, thank you for the beauty of this morning. You have just blessed us with some sunshine, and it's not too hot. You've uh, uh, given us the technology to be able to... Um, get together, even though uh, under some restrictions and so on. But uh, with this technology, we can reach not only uh, into the cars that are parked here, but also into homes that are literally around the world. So Lord, we pray you're a mighty anointing on your word and on your message this morning in Jesus' name. Amen. My Bible is open to Exodus chapter 17, and the story starts in verse 8. Now Amalek came and fought with Israel and Rephidim. And Moses said to Joshua, choose us some men and go out and fight with Amalek. Tomorrow I will, I will stand at the top of the hill with the rod of God in my hand. So Joshua did as Moses said to him and fought with Amalek. And Moses, Aaron, and Hur went up to the top of the hill. And so it was when Moses held up his hand that Israel prevailed. And when he let down his hand, Amalek prevailed. But Moses' hands became heavy. So they took a stone and put it under him and he sat on it. And Aaron and Hur supported his hands one on one side and the other on the other side, and his hands were steady until the going down of the sun. So Joshua defeated Amalek and his people with the edge of the sword. In this story, it's quite a familiar story. Most of us, if we've ever read through Exodus, we've uh, certainly read the story. But there are six main characters. And first we find Amalek. Now, Amalek is the bad guys, the enemy. Uh, Amalek was the grandson of Esau. Remember the story of Jacob and Esau? Uh, Jacob was kind of a conniver, and he stole Esau's birthright. He stole Esau's blessing. And uh, so as a result, there was animosity right from the beginning. So Esau's grandson was Amalek. So later on, as a result of the story we just read, Saul was told to destroy the Amalekites. And he didn't completely fulfill the job. You can read about that in 1 Samuel chapter 15. And as a result, Saul lost uh, the kingdom. David uh, fought and defeated them in 1 Samuel chapter 30. And the last time the Amalekites are mentioned is in the book of Esther. Later on, when uh, Judah has gone into captivity, there's a guy by the name of Haman that wants to exterminate the Jewish people. Does that sound familiar? Um, but he was a descendant of Agag, and of course, uh, he and uh, those who were conspiring with him uh, were destroyed. So that's the Amalekites. Secondly, we got the Israelites, God's people, and they have just come out of uh, Egypt, out of slavery, and uh, they are just kind of experiencing life as a new nation. Then there's Moses. Moses is 80 years old at this point. He's the old leader, and he's got another 40 years to go trudging through the wilderness with uh, God's people. His successor is with him there as well, Joshua, and this is the very first time we encountered Joshua in Scripture. 
And then we encounter Aaron. Aaron was Moses' brother, who's kind of the priest of the people. And uh, so he enters the picture here. And then finally, there's a gentleman by the name of Hur, H-U-R. Now, who was her. We don't exactly get an introduction or an explanation who her was, but according to Jewish tradition, uh, Josephus in his uh, writings Antiquities uh, says that her was Moses' brother-in-law. Remember, there was Moses and Aaron and their sister Miriam, so apparently her was married to Miriam. So if anyone ever asks you who Miriam was married to, you can tell them that her was married to her, okay? So now you know. So the Israelites have now just left uh, the land of Egypt. They've crossed the Red Sea. Uh, they've run into a few things like running out of food. And, and so God sends manna and, uh, and all that. And then they run out of water. And then they, there's that whole encounter where Moses strikes the rock. And uh, that brings us to this story. They haven't got their Ten Commandments yet. They haven't uh, had any battle experience. Uh, and according to the recounting of this event in Deuteronomy chapter 25, the Amalekites had actually attacked Israel from the back. And so, which is kind of a cowardly way of going into battle, because perhaps the, the people who were uh, maybe stragglers and that kind of thing were back there, and uh, the weary, and so on. So they were kind of getting Israel at their most vulnerable place. And so that's why God called for vengeance on the Amalekites. So the battle is on. There's Amalek against Israel. And the battle happens up at a place called Rephidim. Now, what is Rephidim and why is it mentioned? According to one commentator, Rephidim was the only oasis in the area. So here you've got desert, and you've got the Amalekites that live here, and all of a sudden here's this two million, what, people, two million people, two million Israelites kind of wandering through, and they're settling around this oasis. So as, as a natural result, uh, you know, conflict erupts, and so the battle is on. So there's Joshua. He's the battle commander for the Lord's army, and he's going to be uh, leading uh, the army of Israel into battle. Moses is going to fight as well, but he's going to fight on a different level. So uh, he has learned. Remember back in Exodus chapter 2, there's Exodus. He comes across this Egyptian taskmaster beating an Israelite, and he kills the guy. And uh, at that point, he thought, hey, the only way to deal with stuff is on a physical level. Well, I guess 40 years of chasing sheep in the desert, Moses had learned that, hey, there's another level happening here. And he wanted to engage in that equally or perhaps even greater important battle of um, being uh, uh, going into battle in a spiritual uh, level, the work of praying for the victory. So the story says, as he raises his hands, Israel is winning. But when his hands kind of droop down, uh, Israel starts losing. So to solve the matter, uh, Aaron and her find a rock. And so Moses sits down on that rock and they hold up his arms. And as a result, uh, that brings about uh, victory. Now, what can we learn from this story? Well, just like there was a battle back there in Exodus chapter 17, there is a battle today. A battle going on for the hearts and minds of today's kids. Satan is using everything in his arsenal to steal, to kill, and to destroy. We read in John 10.10, 10, the thief comes, but to steal, kill, and destroy. But Jesus says, I have come to give life and life more abundantly. So in the same way, there's Satan, the thief, trying to do everything he can to steal from people, to destroy their lives, to kill uh, the good that God has created. And ministries like One Hope Canada, like Turtle Mountain Bible Camp, are in that battle, you know, doing battle with, with the forces of darkness, sharing truth and confronting lies of the enemy, rescuing prisoners and setting them free in Jesus. It's kind of like there we are on the battlefield like Joshua. 
But friends, we cannot do it alone. We don't conquer by sword alone. It's, only, it's not just a physical battle. There's also a spiritual battle. We need the saints of all ages standing behind us, holding us up in prayer. And prayer is something that we all can do regardless of our age. Now, most of you know I host a, a music program, a Southern Gospel radio show called Heart of the South. And uh, Southern Gospel maybe isn't as well-known in Canada. Uh, I think we've got two stations in the, in the whole country, whereas the U.S. has about 300. Uh, by the way, Southern Gospel is not from Southern Manitoba. It's kind of more from the Southern states, like uh, the Carolinas and Tennessee and so on. So in case you ever wondered that. But anyway, what these radio stations do is they kind of keep a record of what songs get the most airplay. And the one that plays the most in a month is that month's number one song. Now, most songs just kind of climb up the charts and stuff, and uh, they you know, get to as high as they get, and then they drop down, and occasionally a song will get to number one. But it'll stay there just for that month, and the next month it's down to 25 or 38 or, or, or whatever, you know? And so it's rare that a song stays at number one for a couple of months. One of the most recent times it happens was, happened was in 2007. A group called the Dove Brothers recorded a song called I Can Pray. A, a really simple song written by Nathan Marquis, and uh, the feature soloist is a young man by the name of uh, Jerry Martin, who spent some time with the Lumber River Quartet, who has sung in this church a number of times uh, through the years. But I wanted to share that song with you uh, this morning. Actually, I, we're going to hear it from a group called the Kingdom Heirs, uh, who Jerry was singing with most recently. But uh, I'm going to ask Jeremy to cue that up, and uh, it's about three and a half minutes long, and, and then I'll come back and carry on with the message. This song's called I Can Pray, again featuring Jerry Martin. You say I'm not able I'm too young or I'm too old And I can't sing or teach And no title do I hold Lord, what can I do? For I want to do my part And I want to help the hurting With all of my heart I can pray Until the walls come down Until there's healing all around That's something I can do And I
So as I mentioned, a really simple song and... Uh, yeah, but really profound, you know, that we can all do that. And one of the things that that particular rendition of the song kind of missed that the Dub Brothers uh, had in the song, in their rendition of the song, was kind of a bridge uh, where there's this piece of narration called, where, where the person says, you may not be a preacher, you may not be a Sunday school teacher, you may not be able to sing, but friend, there's something we all can do. We can pray. Now, friends, prayer is grueling work. It's not easy. And those of you that are prayer warriors, you know exactly what I'm talking about. We get weary in prayer. I mean, just think of the disciples. Jesus said, watch and pray and stuff. And what they do? You know, falling asleep. But, you know, if we have friends holding us up, standing with us in that prayer battle, it really helps. Over at uh, the church we attend just east of Winnipeg, every Wednesday night at 7, it's battle time. It's prayer time. We spend an hour, hour and a half just praying for uh, the church, for the community, for our province, for our nation, for the, some of the bills that are coming through. And, uh, and a lot of times it's just like, oh, Lord, you know about this. And, and, you know, sometimes it's like, okay, well, this bill went through anyway. So we're, after months and months and months of praying into Bill C-6, Bill C-10, Bill, and then whatever that other one was, Bill 36, I think, uh, to hear that uh, uh, the senators were saying, you know what, we're putting this down for the summer. If an election gets called, these bills are all scrapped. We're like, hallelujah, you know. And so I would invite you, I, and I trust that this church has some kind of prayer group, maybe a ladies' prayer group, maybe a men's prayer group, uh, to battle in prayer. And by standing together, that really helps us to, uh, in, that, in that wearying battle of uh, prayer. <clears throat> Friends, we are desperately dependent on God. In fact, that is... Uh, uh, the core value of uh, One Hope Canada, the first core value of One Hope Canada, our desperate dependence on God. And as we bring God into that battle, as we lift our hands saying, Lord, we need you in this, that's when we can experience that victory. But when we try and do it ourselves, that's when we uh, lose. I was reading the Manu, uh, Henry's, Matt, Matthew Henry's commentary in preparation for this sermon, and there's a really interesting thing about, you know, there's Joshua on the battlefield and Moses up on the hilltop interceding. And uh, in the commentary, we find that Jesus is both our uh, Joshua and our Moses on the battlefield. And, and by the way, uh, Jesus, the name Jesus, is simply the Greek way of pronouncing the name Joshua. Jesus is the captain of, of our salvation. He's the one who fights our battles. He's with us on the battlefield. He's also our Moses. He's up there in the heavenlies interceding for us. Acts chapter 1 says that uh, Jesus ascended to heaven and sat down at, the, at God the Father's right hand. Have you ever stopped to wonder, what's he doing there? What's, what's Jesus doing there beside you know, God the Father? In Romans 8, we get the answer. He's interceding for us, you know, looking down and saying, hey, you know, there's our friends in Killarney. They have this need, Father. Would you, you know, and he's there interceding uh, for us. So prayer is grueling work. So how do we pray? You know, if it's so important, how do we do it? And it's great that Jesus gives us a wonderful example in the Sermon on the Mount, the, uh, what's called the Lord's Prayer probably more appropriately entitled the disciples prayer because remember the disciples said lord teach us to pray and so he gave us that so that's a great model um there's a couple of guys who were talking and uh i guess they were kind of trying to outdo each other spiritually and one says to the other to the other you know you don't know a whole lot about the bible you know you probably don't even know what the lord's prayer is and the guy's like oh yes i do it's now i lay me down to sleep i pray the lord my soul to keep and the other guy's like I didn't know you knew so much about the Bible, you know, kind of thing. So anyway, so there's that. The Lord's Prayer is, uh, is a great uh, model prayer. 
when I was a camp in the early 90s, we learned another uh, formula that I've used ever since called the Acts formula. And you probably are familiar with that adoration, confession, thanksgiving, and supplication. And uh, I use that in my devotions just to kind of stay focused and on track uh, in my uh, time with the Lord. Adoration, the A, is uh, adoring God for who he is, worshiping God for who he is. You know, the Bible talks about his greatness in so many places in the Psalms. Great is the Lord, most worthy of praise. His greatness no one can fathom. And uh, other places it talks about his holiness, how majestic and pure and holy God is. So that's step one, adoration, realizing who God is. And when we grasp that concept as of God's greatness, of God's holiness, it changes our perspective. It makes us realize, you know what? We're serving an awesome, awesome God. And when we realize his holiness, it makes our sinful stand out like this, this filthy rag, I think uh, one of the passages in Scripture says. And that brings us to the next step. Adoration is first. C is confession, where as we realize God's holiness, we become aware of our sinfulness. 1 John 1, 9 says, if we confess our sins, he's faithful, he's just, he's going to forgive us our sins and to cleanse us from all unrighteousness. Confession. The, the story uh, in Isaiah 6 of Isaiah's calling kind of illustrates this as well. Isaiah says, I saw the Lord in the year that King Uzziah died. I saw the Lord sitting on his throne high and lifted up and the train of his robe filled the temple. Here's this majestic picture of, of the heavenlies and these angels are flying around, um, you know, saying, holy, holy, holy is the Lord of hosts. The whole earth is full of his glory. And you know what Isaiah's response he says, well, and then there's all kinds of earthquakes and shaking and stuff like that. And he says, at, at, at the sound of all this, he says, woe is me for I am undone. Now, I should maybe clarify, uh, some, some people thought Isaiah's horse was named Ismi because he's like, whoa, Ismi. That's actually not what that means, right? Uh, woe is me means, you know, I am, I'm ruined. You know, in light of God's holiness, I am just a, a mere human being. He says, you know, I'm a man of unclean lips and I dwell in the midst of a people of unclean lips for my eyes have seen the King, the Lord of hosts. You know what happens next? One of the angels flies to him with a hot coal that he'd taken from the altar. You know, they got the altar back there in the Old Testament, smoke's rising up and they're making all these sacrifices. The angel touches his lips. He says, behold, this has touched your lips. Your iniquity is taken away and your sin purged. Now, in our day and age, we don't have an angel coming with tongs from the altar to cleanse us from our sin. What do we have? The what of Jesus? The, somebody say it. The blood of Jesus cleanses us from all sin. I know you guys knew. You just thought you were just going to check if I didn't know. Okay. So we got adoration, worshiping God for who he is, confession, uh, confessing our sins. And the third uh, letter in the Acts formula is thanksgiving. So many commands in scripture uh, to give thanks to the Lord. You know, the Psalms give thanks unto the Lord for he is good. His mercy endures forever. And there's so many Psalms that tell us to give thanks to the Lord. And, and in the New Testament, Paul says, in everything, give thanks for this is what? This is God's will for you in Christ Jesus. Giving thanks is a command. It's God's will for us. So adoration, confession, thanksgiving, and the, oh, I should just say thanksgiving looks at what God has done, and adoration looks at who God is. So adoration, the worship part, God's character, who he is, the thanksgiving looks at what God has done at his goodness. The final letter is supplication, and that's bringing our requests to the Lord. And that's the one we're probably most familiar with. It's basically our prayer list, right? And uh, as you bring things to the Lord in prayer, would you pray for our ministry? By the way, we have a, a monthly prayer 
uh, group prayer digest thing that goes out. And if you are a prayer warrior and would like to get that from One Hope Canada, just send me a note and I'll get you on that list. You'll have monthly updates of, uh, of things uh, to be praying for. Just email me, Harold G at onehopecanada.ca. Some of the things to pray for, this is from our national director. He says, pray for our year-round missionaries. We've got about 200 missionaries coast to coast, and uh, the the last 18 months have been grueling. And so, uh, first of all, to pray that they would be steadfast to the calling. You know, they've been called into the ministry. Just pray that they would stay with the stuff. Because, I mean, after 18 months of changing restrictions and regulations and not knowing what's going on, uh, a lot of them are getting weary. So pray for steadfastness to the calling. Secondly, pray for wisdom beyond their current experience. Some of these leaders are really young, and so, uh, yeah, they just need God's wisdom. Thankfully, when we ask God, he says he will uh, answer that prayer. Thirdly, pray for financial provision. Um, the, the model we use in our camps, there's kind of two streams of income. One is donations, and the other is camper fees and rentals. Well, basically, that second stream in the last 18 months has been essentially cut off. We're not allowed to have rentals, and so that's a huge source of income. That's not there anymore. And uh, so, uh, so do pray for financial provision. And so camps, basically, in the last since March of 2020, camps have not been able to generate any revenue where all the many of the costs are still there. And uh, if you want to be an encouragement, I know like this uh, day camp, you know, the, the hundred bucks for the week is like, wow, that's usually that's free. What's the deal here kind of thing. But, you know, it's just one way to support uh, Turtle Mountain Bible Camp, one of the very few streams of revenue uh, that, uh, that they can uh, receive at this time. And also family camp. I know the, uh, you know, uh, I, I know that the cost of going up for family camp is, you know, significantly higher than it's been before. But again, a way to uh, be supportive of, of Turtle uh, is to, uh, to uh, register and to be part of that. So pray for financial provision uh, for, during this very difficult time. And would you pray for our summer missionaries as well? We've got uh, hundreds, if not thousands, of summer missionaries that come and join us in the front lines. Pray that God would uh, use them in a mighty way, that their hearts and minds would be pure before Him, and that, that, that they would be cleansed vessels, um, uh, anointed vessels, uh, proclaiming the Word to those children who come. Pray for campers with hearts soft and open to hear the gospel, even, uh, even here in Killarney this coming week. And I'm not sure, I'm not, uh, I haven't talked to uh, the team up at Turtle to find out whether they'll be here or just at uh, the Lakeside Church, Lakeview Church. But uh, pray for soft hearts to hear and respond to the gospel, and then pray for follow-up. As I conclude, will you join the battle? And some of you will join us on the front lines of ministry, coming up to the camp and uh, maybe helping with some of the projects that Turtle needs done, or uh, maybe helping come as a group leader, maybe even this week, maybe even baking some uh, refreshments for snack time and that kind of thing. Uh, some of you will come as lifeguards, as nurses, as cooks uh, in a normal camp year. And I think this year, uh, I think Turtle was looking for a lifeguard for one of their family camps. I think some of their waterfront programs I heard secondhand that uh, were had to be uh, kind of held off. Um, and I know one of our other camps didn't have a lifeguard for a week, so they weren't allowed to use their waterfront. So very, very difficult. Uh, if you know of lifeguards, definitely send them our way. So join us in the front lines of the battle or join us up on the mountaintop, lifting up our ministries in prayer. And as you pray, would you pray that the Lord would just anoint his word? You know, his, uh, the Bible says God's word doesn't return void, but that the word would be proclaimed clearly and boldly and uh, that hearts would receive it and respond in salvation. Pray for harm from the devil's devices. I mean, our old enemy has been doing this for 
so many years that, uh, I mean, he tries to get in there anywhere with all kinds of divisiveness and this, that, and the other thing. And so it's an ongoing battle. Pray for unity in uh, the ministry. And then even pray for protection from the virus, you know, like, I mean, just, you know, you know how you guys have experienced how this, someone shows up with it and everything gets shut down and stuff. So we're just praying that God would just uh, put a put a hedge of protection around uh, his ministries. And uh, yeah, also maybe we could pray even that this, this COVID thing would just run its course and just soon be a part of uh, just a bad memory. I don't know, but uh, let's be people of prayer because man, that's when things happen.